1: Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today I'm hosting Sheldon Norberg, and he's the author of Healing Houses, My Work as a Psychic House Cleaner. Sheldon, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe.
2: Thanks, Justine. It's great to be here.
1: It's great to have you. Well, just what exactly is psychic house cleaning? What do you mean by that?
2: psychic is kind of a broad term. It absorbs intuition and clairvoyance and energy healing. It's using the mind to do healing. In my work I'm using my intuitive faculty as well as the inferences or reports from my clients to understand what's going on energetically with a person's living space or office or wherever I'm working. I'm trying to gather information about the events that have taken place there and the emotional charges that I am able to feel and sense going through a house and using internal meditative techniques of imagery and concentration to shift those patterns, interrupt patterns wash those patterns until the vibrational feeling of that space has distinctly changed and moved toward a a lighter, more refreshing, cleaner, grounded, comforting feeling.
1: What are some of the issues that people might have who seek you out and seek your services?
2: Well, uh, lately I've been working with a lot of people who can't sell their homes for one reason or another you're
1: saying it's not just the economy
2: yeah it's more than that i had known a very good friend of one of my very good friends and they had been trying to sell their house for about 18 months we'd met several times i said well you know maybe i should go up there and do it And they're like oh no there's you no know, we don't need anything like that oh yeah, no it's just not it's sitting and they had bought another house and broken ground on building it and had the whole thing going and they could not sell this house and finally they're like okay you know why don't you come over here and and i go over there and their house is beautiful up on the top of the hill in San Rafael, and they'd already knocked the price back 10%. I was like, wow, how how can you not be selling this house in this market? And this was eight years ago. And I had them fill out my form and found out that his father had been living with them for several years in the downstairs in-law unit. And he had died there. They came on one day to find the eight-hour attack and died in his chair. Both he and his two sons, and his wife, you know, loved their father as part of their family, and this had happened about three years prior to this, and still that room, it, it, they, you know, they'd cleaned it up, and it was kind of a extra family room, but they didn't really go down there very much. And, you know, it appeared to me to still be holding the charge from his father, and the relationship of the whole family to having lost the very close loved one. And I did a bunch of work on that you know, particular issue, and you know, the house turned around and sold two weeks later. You know, for me, it was like so chokingly obvious. I'm like, okay, you know, you wouldn't think, you know, that just because some member of your family died in your house, that it would feel weird to other people. But this is what I'm really coming to that, you know, your own stuff feels totally normal, no matter how weird it is. Mm -hmm. But when somebody else walks in, or when you walk into somebody else's personal stuff, it does not feel comfortable to you. And to somebody trying to buy a house, and you walk into some space that has some edge of discomfort, they recognize that and they bristle. There's a lot of research being done. I've been working on a program at IONS, the Institute of Noetic Sciences, just about how we perceive things consciously before our minds become aware of them. This whole study that's just really finally closed and the reports are out about being seen. Like if you can tell if somebody's watching you and they wire people up and they're being viewed or not being viewed by somebody in another room on closed-circuit TV and they're Skin responds, their nervous system responds to being watched several milliseconds before the watcher actually starts watching them. But as soon as they are about to start watching, they know that somebody's watching them.
1: Even before they start watching, we can register, oh, somebody is
2: about to. to, This is going on. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a really detailed scientific study. So, So people have this level of perception to which they're... 99.9% completely Mm -hmm. unaware. Mm -hmm. Most people are not trained or disciplined to recognize that these hunches, feelings, suspicions, intuitions are real. So
1: it's a matter of, like, we'll walk into a room and we'll have an initial kind of feeling about it but Pain. then our brain kind of kicks in and we start chattering and, and we right. don't even recognize that we have this feeling right. because we override it so often is when you that, say
2: that's exactly it and if it is disturbing to you you then rationalize it or mask it when you know oh, that can't be you oh, know mm-hmm. i can't be and and you know three months later like i knew something was going yeah, on there. Right, right and And we don't really kind of draw these conclusions, and we don't really know what the charge that we put on a space Mm -hmm. is or the charge that was there before us.
1: One of the examples you give in the book that I thought was very interesting, and this was, I think it was a house up on Mount Tamalpais, Mm -hmm. just north of San Francisco. And... The house, if I remember correctly, wasn't selling. And you encountered a Native American Uh, elder psychically. He wasn't actually there physically, but can you tell that?
2: It was a very difficult sale. My client had brought me in to help them close the sale because the deal on that house was not going through and the stipulations were that they had to have all the money in the escrow account by this certain time of day and all the inspections needed to be completed by this certain day and there were a number of things holding them back and I and
1: I think that they needed the county to sign off on right, some yeah. work that they were going to have done an addition or something to or to do, do, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: so I did my tuning for all of these events and it all kind of came together and it was very interesting because when I then went to go clear the house, where the original owner's wife had uh, become ill and died, and the people who took it over from them, the man's wife, became ill and invalid. I found a very intense Indian presence, and one that really floored me, and kind of brought me to a new level of this work, because I hadn't really run into anything that was that overpowering yet. And the Indian energy on that land, apparently this whole land had been cleared and demolished by the developer. It was his private home on this development, his dream home, that was the kind of most significant spot uh, for the Indians on this land. And they had sort of worked it with the county or the city not to report on any of the artifacts and stuff that they were mowing over and burying. So
1: they didn't do that archaeological report
2: so I met with an Indian spirit there that was just enraged that people were living on this you know, sacred land, because this particular property had, uh, it was a six-sided house, had views of Mount Tam and mm-hmm. of Angel Island and of the city. So it was a pretty beautiful piece of property, and the the feeling was very uh, significant of this being a Miwok site. Another ethical issue for me, well, what right do I have to try and drive off the spirit of uh, an Indian boundary setter or protector there? Or
1: even if you could.
2: Yeah, exactly. So my job became negotiating with him for here we are in the 21st century and we would like you to have your outpost here. But these people are going to be living here in this house, and can we come to some sort of agreement that they should right. recognize what they were living with there? And I think that that's kind of a theme that runs through a lot of places is that we tend to disregard the the home and the structure or mm-hmm. think about you know just what a place we are granted permission to live in, yeah. and what advantages we have and kind of remember to, you know, bow your head every once in a while.
1: Right, to remember the ancestors in the land. And that just reminds me, I, I want to ask you, what about people who move a house from one location to another? They actually pick up the house and they actually move it. What have you encountered with that?
2: Well, in the one house that I was called to, one of the really kind of serious ghost episodes that I've worked with where a woman's daughter was being besieged nightly by an old woman and that house had been moved from Oakland to Berkeley and then shifted on its axis to fit on the lot. So if you're familiar with Joshua trees and the way that they are unable to be moved because they have to be in 360 degree alignment to exactly where they were magnetically in order to survive. It seemed to me that the way that this house had been shifted then created a different magnetic alignment And that this ghost, which had been there for a long time prior to the house being moved, had really no understanding of how to leave. It was like
1: disoriented, huh?
2: Yeah. And it had attached itself to some other entity energy and it was causing a real problem for my client her daughter's waking up at three in the morning every morning screaming that this you know woman's in in her room and come and get in bed with her and she started to have manifest some really strange behaviors and precognitive ability that was really disturbing to mm-hmm. my uh, client and when I met with that spirit it was really had a difficulty figuring out where it was and how to channel it out of that space but after we did that that whole period ended and her daughter went back to sleep in her room and everything went away Yeah, Yeah. so it's kind of a matter of you know meeting what's there and you know what I'm looking at these days is how do we in building our living spaces sacralize what we're doing with intention to create the space the way we want it, with appreciation for the land and the, the building materials and the people involved, and really build with the intention that our home is a place for us to learn and love and grow and it is a temple of sorts and that if we don't approach it if it's just some developer slapping up a bunch of drywall that comes from china and is toxic fuming and they're trying to you know hustle out as many bucks as they can what is that saying to us as spirit beings and what is that saying to the earth that they're grinding up to you know put these houses in
1: right exactly well, Sheldon, I know that we could talk about so much more, and I'm just so grateful that you've been with us today. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. And if you'd like to be in touch with Sheldon, and if you have an issue in your own home or you know a friend, you can get in touch with Sheldon. He's the author of Healing Houses, My Work as a Psychic House Cleaner. And you can find his website by going to Houses. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. My name is Justine willis toms I want to thank you for joining us on the New Dimensions Cafe and ask you, please, come join us again.
0: You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a 1,000 hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org.